Okay, we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 20th, 2008, regarding the Jehovah Witness expose that we're doing. And we're going to continue right along here, talking about the Jehovah Witness Jesus. We're going to elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, and they have a little quote here, what Jehovah Witnesses confess and what they mean are two totally different things. And again, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They believe, they can say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but the first created Son of God was known as Michael the Archangel to them. This angel was recreated as a perfect man on earth and named Jesus. And again, I know I've said that, but I'm just elaborating a little bit more. This Jesus died on a torture stake, not a cross, so that men could work out their way into God's kingdom. But again, it's through works. This Jesus, Michael, now rules over his kingdom invisibly since 1914. Since he failed to show up then and to destroy the unfaithful, he was declared by the Watchtower powers to be, to be invisible. Well, see, they got to explain their lies some way. You know. What else do they believe? They believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. The angel Michael turned his attention to the affairs of earth in 1914, when he failed to show up, after he failed to show up, by establishing an invisible heavenly realm kingdom. This is what is meant by the second coming. He will never return visibly to earth, but he will rule through his anointed or the remnant group of Jehovah's Witnesses here on earth. So see, he's already back. He's just invisible. That's what they, and in fact, I guess that's a way that they could say justify a lot of the prophecies. Well, it really did happen. It just happened kind of invisibly. Sorry, we, 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 we left that detail out at the time. <laughs> what else do they believe? That Jesus was resurrected. God, Jehovah, placed a newly created copy of Jesus, Jesus' life pattern or personality, into a newly created Michael the Archangel. So, okay, so we got Michael the Archangel reincarnated into a bodily Jesus Christ, and then we got the Jesus Christ then resurrected, but then he's put into a newly created Michael the Archangel spirit, physical body. Not, not a physical body, but a spirit body. So we got some real flip, you talk about reincarnation. We got some serious flip-flopping going on here. <clears throat> Since Jesus had been totally annihilated, which they believe, Jehovah had to recreate Jesus from his memory. And he is now the Jesus and Michael in heaven. Oh yeah. All of this is referenced that I'm talking about here. I'm not making this up. It's You think I was, but I'm not. It's all referenced from their writings. They shouldn't have said it if they didn't want to want me to come along someday or somebody to come along and expose them. They should have never put it in print. Makes my job pretty easy. Now this is an excerpt from How to Witness to a Jehovah Witness by Ray Comfort. Now I'm not saying I agree with every single thing Ray Comfort says, but I thought he brought up some really good points here in this. Listen to this. Now again... I, you can do it this way, or you can do it the way I suggested. However the Lord convicts you, okay, that's the way you need to go. Um, but, How to Witness to a Jehovah Witness by Ray Comfort. Um, he, he starts out this by saying, I rushed down the stairs to the sound of a barking dog on our doorbell. When I opened it, two well-dressed young men stood at the front door to greet me. I greeted them with a warm hi. 
to which one of them asked in perfect English, do you know of any Spanish-speaking families around here? And then I said, next door there is a Spanish-speaking family, across the road there is an Indonesian family, then an Indian and an English, and I, and I am Chinese? Do you want to see me... Do you want to see a picture of me on a cruise? I don't know if he's trying to be funny there or what. And it says, they politely said they did. So I quickly opened my wallet and showed them a picture of Tom Cruise with the word me on his forehead. And they laughed. This guy's a real jokester. <laughs> anyway, then he says, what are you guys selling? And then they said, nothing. And then he said, are you Mormons? They said, no. Jehovah Witnesses? They said, yes. Tell me this. This is, this is, I like this. He says, tell me this. I have a knife in my back and I have three minutes to live. My blood and my life are draining from me and I know I'm dying. What are you going to say to me? How can I enter the kingdom? <laughs> I love it. He cuts right to the chase. They looked at each other and then back at me and there was dead silence. It was obvious that they didn't know what to tell me. I said, come on guys, I'm dying. I got three minutes. One of them said, I don't know, there are lots of things you have to do. The other, the other one then echoed lots. Oh, right there we know it's works-based religion. Earning your way to the kingdom, right? That's what they're doing. The first then said to me, you have to learn, you have to gain knowledge. And then he said to him, what about the thief on the cross? <laughs> I love it. What knowledge did he get? What did he do to earn his salvation? How could he learn anything? He couldn't turn the pages of a book. He was nailed to the cross. He probably couldn't read anyway. Yet Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Awesome. Awesome. I love this. Then he says, Then they said, We have to go now. <laughs> He said, come on, guys. This is important. I want to know how to enter Jehovah's kingdom. <laughs> what are your names? And then the one guy said Jonathan, and the other guy said Javier. And then he says, do you consider yourself to be good people? And they said, um, yes. And then he says, have you ever told a lie? And they said, yes. What does that make you? And they said, a liar. Javier said that he had stolen... And then he became very quiet. Jonathan, Jonathan said he had never stolen, blasphemed, or even looked at a woman with lust. Never once. Well, I, you know, hey Jonathan, man, we're talking, he's right down the line here. I've heard people going to people's doors, and like witnessing, and they would say, you know, they're trying to show them their lost and sinful state. Now the Bible says the very thought of foolishness is sin. Just the thought of foolishness is sin. And there was this one lady this one time that said, I've never sinned in my whole life, ever. I've never committed a sin. Oh, my word. What pride. Well, anyway, going back to this. <clears throat> this one guy, you know, Jonathan said, he's never blasphemed, he's never stolen, he's never looked at a woman with lust, never. And then he says, are you gay? <laughs> he says, no. And he says, and I'm not saying that's that's." that's good to do. I'm just being, you know, let's be practical here in, 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 you know, this guy's basically saying he's above sin, essentially. And the guy says, no, I'm not gay. And then, he says, the reason I haven't done that is because I was born into the truth. Oh, that's not pride. Now you see the pride of the Jehovah Witnesses right here with this guy. And then he says, Ray Comfort says, I 
explain, we have to face a perfect law of the day of judgment. And nothing you and I do can save us. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. He died for us. He took our punishment upon Himself. And now God can save us through His mercy. That's why the thief was saved. Praise the Lord God for that thief. Because he didn't do anything to earn his way into heaven other than accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and his free gift. What could he have done? <laughs> he didn't do anything to save himself because he couldn't. Only God's mercy and grace can save us. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Not by works of righteousness that we have done hath he saved us. But according to His mercy, He saved us. And then Revelation 21.8 says, All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Oh. Uh-oh. That's why you need Jesus Christ. To wash away your sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you repent and trust in Him, God will forgive you of your sins. And then they said, But we are doing what Jesus did. That's what they said. And then he says, and then um, Ray Cover said, did he go door to door? And they said, yes, he went around preaching the gospel. And then he says, but the gospel you are preaching is different than the one he preached. Good point. Because the Bible says that if we preach a gospel that's another gospel, let him be accursed. So, they're under a curse. When you have one of them come to your door... Like the Bible said, don't bring... I had a lady email me about this. And um, I, I sent her back the Bible where it says, don't bid them Godspeed or don't let them into your house. Don't be partakers of their plagues. Okay? Because um, it's one thing to talk to them in your doorway. It's another thing to invite them into your house and let them get cozy. Or to bid them Godspeed. They're under a curse. They, and, and we want them to be saved. I don't want to see one of them go to hell. I don't. And you shouldn't either. So anyway, that that's I thought that was kind of a neat thing. Now I'm gonna also I'm gonna be talking a little bit more about the occult aspect of the foundations of the Jehovah Witnesses. Now this is from Biblical Discernment Ministries, um, and it was compiled and edited by David G. J. Stewart. Um, this is on JesusIsSavior.com. Now I'm gonna have this whole file on PDF file. This is very interesting. The Jehovah Witnesses are a satanic organization based on the occult of, Freem of the Freemasons. Charles Case Russell was a 33rd degree Freemason. I'm going to prove this. 33rd degree Freemason. Hmm, what is Freemason here? Well, it's essentially the Babylonian mystery religions all wrapped up into one. It's essentially the coming one world religion of the Antichrist. Joseph Smith was a 33rd degree Freemason also, and he was the founder of the Mormons. Like two peas in a pod. Now, I'm looking at a picture here. Carefully notice the Masonic cross at the upper left corner of this photo. And I'm looking at some of the Watchtower's original literature. And you're going to be able to view this on my PDF file. Or you can go up to JesusIsSavior.com and do a keyword search for this. It's got a lot of good stuff up there. And it, and it shows a knight's, that particularly this is a Freemasonic cross. It's a crown with a cross kind of going through it at an angle. Which is actually really blasphemous because what it's really representative of is like the square and the compass. It's representative of the male and the female uh, procreative organs, I should say. 
this cross is going through the crown. The crown representing the female aspect. The cross representing the male aspect. You kind of get what I'm saying here without me going into it further. But this is actually a Knights Templar cross, first off. But the Knights Templar was really where we get the origination of the Freemasons. The Knights Templar were, were the original ones. You know, they were the ones that supposedly had the true knowledge of the Holy Grail, the Guardians, you know, the whole thing about the, knight, the uh, Knights of Camelot. And then now we have, in today's day and age, where the Knights Templar and all these people are the ones coming out saying that, you know, all this ancient mystery was that Jesus was never really crucified, he married Mary Magdalene, they went off, they had a daughter, um, that daughter, um, Mary Magdalene was actually the Holy Grail herself, that daughter came and started the Merovingian bloodline, which is the whole thing that the Da Vinci Code is based on, it's the whole thing that this movie Bloodline is based on next month, but that's what they were saying. This is from the Watchtower, it's, it says, the Herald of Christ's Presence, and it's got this Knight's Templar cross in the upper left hand corner, and it is a um, and the, the cross itself, if you, if you think that's a Christian symbol, you need to listen to my, my teaching on the cross, okay, to get the full meaning of what the cross actually represents, okay, because it's not what you think. Remember, we, are being, we have been brainwashed from almost every single angle in the last hundred years in particular, and we need to get the full story about everything. Remember, the cross isn't what saved us. Jesus Christ, His shed blood, His death, burial, and resurrection, that's what saves us. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But, this is a Knights Templar cross in the upper left-hand corner of their literature. Okay? Um, now, this next thing is in, uh, entitled Russell and the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society in the Greatest Masonic Center Cemetery. Now, what I'm looking at here is a picture of the Greater Pittsburgh Masonic Center. Okay, this is a Masonic center and a cemetery for people that were Freemasons in the greater Pittsburgh area. This is a real picture I'm looking at. Now, if we go the next picture down, it says the picture below is from the same place. Okay, notice the Illuminati Pyramid. This is where Charles Taze Russell is buried. Did you know that? Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah Witnesses, is buried at the Pittsburgh, Greater Pittsburgh Masonic Center in their cemetery. Okay? And he is buried under a pyramid-like structure. It is a pyramid. It's made with this special, I heard this special, special pink stone. They flew in from Texas or whatever. It has special occult significance. This... I'm looking at the pyramid right now, and it's complete with a Knights Templar cross at the very, very, very top of the pyramid. The cross going through the crown, it's a Knights Templar cross. It's one of the highest signs of the Freemasons. Charles Taze Russell was a 33rd degree Freemason. Okay? You see, old Charles was just fulfilling his role for Satan by starting another pseudo-Christian cult. And he did a good job. Look at the fruit of it today. It's rotten, but it's, it's satanic fruit. The Illuminati will only honor their own. Remember that. And he was a plant from the very beginning, just like Joseph Smith. I don't believe, I really believe, the more I study these religions in almost every major denomination, including the Christian ones, including the Christian ones, denominations. Show me where that's biblical in the Bible. Show me where Jesus says, Thou shall have the Church of Christ, and this and the Lutherans, and the Presbyterians, and all this other stuff. I don't see it anywhere. 
Show me where it says they should all be, get yoked up with the government in their 501c3 statuses so they can write it off on their taxes. Show me that. Show me where it says bring the world into the churches so that you can reach the world. I just can't find it anywhere. Show me where it says the preachers need to go to the state to get licensing so that they can preach the word of God. I just I can't find it anywhere. Show me where it says that they need to have these big denominations in this hierarchical system where you have these people at the very, very top that are controlling everything going on below. The Bible says if the head is sick, the whole body's going to be sick. So one of the reasons at the very end I, 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 I ended up migrating toward the independent fundamentalist Baptist because at least they were independent of each other. They didn't have a ruling body or hierarchy over them, which is unbiblical. Show it to me in the New Testament where it says do that. Can't find it anywhere because it's not in there. You see how we've been brainwashed? The Southern Baptists are a great example. They've got, they're totally infiltrated by the Freemasons. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't conceivably go into a Southern Baptist church and get saved. But they're totally infiltrated by the Freemasons. That's well known. They've got, they've got Freemasonic 33rd degree pastors, deacons, all kind of stuff. You're telling me that when you leaven a church like that, and when you bring that into your church, it's not going to affect the church? 501c3 organizations... Most of them have no comprehension of, of reading the true word of God, the King James Bible. There's all kinds of problems with this. That's why I do what I do. I don't yoke myself up with any of it anymore. I call myself a Bible-believing, born-again Christian. That's it. I don't need some denominational label to make me feel whatever. And I'm not saying if you're of the denomination, I'm trying to put you down. I'm just saying, that's just the point I've come to at this, at this point in my life. But I'm looking at this... Pyramid, and it's a big, it's a big boy. Okay, I mean, this is a we're talking a high dollar pyramid here. Knights Templar cross. This is where Charles Taze Russell's buried in a Masonic cemetery in Pittsburgh. Why would he be buried there? Because that's what he was. He was a Mason. I'm looking now at a close up of the inscription on the pyramid, and it says Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So not so he's yoking himself up now. He's basically identifying himself, Watchtower Bible Tracking Society, Charles Taze Russell, Knights Templar Cross on this Illuminati pyramid, which is like the same Illuminati pyramid we have on the back of our dollar bill, with the all knowing eye of Lucifer at the very top of it, and in and um uh, basically in lettering above and below, Novus Order Secorum. Anut Quaeptus Novus Order Secorum, announcing the birth of the New World Order. That's what those words say, above and below the pyramid on the back of your dollar bill. Same type of pyramid. And I'm looking right now at a close-up. Irrefutable proof that the Jehovah Witnesses are inseparably linked to the Freemasons. This same pyramid has the Knights Templar cross and it's in a Freemason cemetery. What more could you say? Now, let's go further. Notice that the Freemason cross which is also a Knights Templar symbol, which was actually originally a Knights Templar syndrome. Charles Taze Russell was a Knights Templar. Okay, now I'm looking right now at the order of the Knights Templar and the Freemasons. And I'm looking at part of their, this is actually part of their literature. In one part, it has the 33rd degree Inspector General, um, uh, the Knight Commander, Court of Honor, Sublime Prince of the Royal Secret, and it has the, the uh, 33rd and the 32nd degree. I believe it has 33rd degrees in the um, Scottish Rite and 30. Now, both of these symbols that we see in this Freemasonic literature is um, right below the all-knowing eye of Lucifer or Horus, okay, the sun god. And so we have the Order of Knights Templar with the cross and the going through the crown on one side, and then the 32nd, 33rd degree 
order of the Freemasons on the other, going up to the all-knowing eye of Lucifer. It's not really, uh, it's kind of like guilt by association here. Uh, there's a lot of different things here pointing to the fact that he was a high-level Freemason, a Knights Templar, and, um, you know, the symbology is all there. Now, if we go further, the next picture I'm looking at, the founder of both faiths, the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, were of the Illuminati bloodline. Charles Taze Russell, and this is something not a lot of people know, but Charles Taze Russell, who founded the Watchtower, Jehovah Witnesses, was of the Illuminati Russell bloodline, which also founded the infamous Skull and Bone Society at Yale. Now, remember, the 13, there's 13 families in the Illuminati. We've talked a lot lately about the Merovingian bloodline, supposedly the bloodline that originated through Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene, which is a total lie. But these other bloodlines are, you know, real bloodlines, and this Russell bloodline is the one that Charles Taze Russell came from. Okay? And that was also the same bloodline that founded the Skull and Bone Society at Yale, which our president and his dad and his dad and um, John Kerry are all members of. Okay? Charles Taze Russell was also a Satanist, a pedophile, according to his wife, and was also a friend of the Rothschilds. And the Rothschilds are the highest level ranking family in the Illuminati. Indeed, it was the Rothschilds who funded the Jehovah Witnesses' operation into being, along with other Illuminati bankers, through, quote, contributions by organizations like the Rothschild-controlled B'nai B'rith. This was proved in a court of law in 1922. One of the key people involved in it was Frank Goldman, who later became president of B'nai B'rith. Who, why would an organization set up, at least in theory, to help Jewish people and promote the Jewish faith be funding the existence of the Jehovah Witnesses? I think the name of the Rothschilds answers the question. Russell was also a high-degree Freemason and a Knights Templar. See, the bottom line is, is that virtually every denomination, which in a lot of, in a lot of ways is totally unbiblical, you really can't find any New Testament precedent for all these different various and sundry denominations. Virtually every denomination, if it has a ruling body hierarchy, at the top is controlled by evil people. This is why if the head is sick, the whole body will become sick as well. And that's going to be a tough pill for most people to swallow, but this is the very reason I've come essentially out of almost all denominations myself, because I realize this. And also, there's no real biblical precedence for the whole thing of denominations, or, or getting licensed by the state to do this or that, and all this other bondage that you put yourself under, when you invariably go into this denominational church existence. Now, in the book Watchtower and Freemasons by Fritz Springmeier, it's quoted, It has always been disconcerting that the Masons are so adept at smokescreens. The leader of the anti-Masonic political party in the 1930s and the 1940s turned out to be a Freemason. Both Charles Taze Russell and G. Rutherford, J. Rutherford, printed material that was less than favorable to Freemasonry. And yet, I now know that C.T. Russell was a Freemason and a Knights Templar which we just proved above. I also know that, or, or in the previous things we just talked about, I also know that Russ, Rutherford worked intimately with, with the Freemasons, who were his good friends. See, they're plants. These people that start these cults, particularly the ones that flourish, they're plants. They're there for a reason. The Illuminati funds many, many of these cults into existence because it's just one more way that they can take people to hell. But they themselves are the ones that actually control the heads of all these individual respective cults.
And by Satan throwing out all these different cults, what it causes a lot of people to do is say, well, I know what the Bible says, but there's all these other paths, and maybe one of them is right. How could there be so many other paths and only one being right? It's one of the reasons he does it. So, we know he's a Knights Templar, Charles Taze Russell. I mean, just look at the pyramid, you know, in his tombstone, headstone, in this Masonic cemetery in, in Pittsburgh. Um, if we go further, uh, if you want to read about this particular thing further, there's a book called Be Wise as Serpents. You can find it online. I do a keyword search, Be Wise as Serpents by Fritz Springmeyer. You can do the download. And he also has the Watchtower Masons. Now, you can't buy his books anymore. If you find one of these books, they're, they're going to be, an original would be into the thousands and thousands of dollars because the Illuminati has done their best to destroy all of his literature. A lot of people really uh, go against Fritz Springmeier and these types of things. I've seen many defenses on his behalf. I've seen many attacks on him. But I will say this about Fritz Springmeier's writings. From my research, for the most part, they ring true. They ring true, not just because Fritz says it, but because it confirms so much of what I also know about what's going on in the world and with the Illuminati and with the New World Order. So, you can take that, I guess, for what it's worth, but there's another... Um, person that they have in here that they recommend, and uh, this is by Lady Queensborough, Edith Starr Miller. She wrote the book, this book in 1933, and it's called Occult Theocracy, Theocracy, I'm sorry, Theocracy, by Edith Starr Miller, and the book was in 1933, and it lists Charles Taze Russell as a Knights Templar Mason on page 737. I'm sure that book would be pretty tough to get, but you probably could do some literature. Now, in this particular download, in the PDF, you're going to have all the links and all the pictures of what I'm going over on audio. You can go up there and look at this stuff for yourself, click into the links, explore this stuff yourself, just not to take my word for it. Now also, the Jehovah Witnesses are actually a daughter also of the Catholic Church. The, Satan the, the Satanic Society use the Catholic Church sources in order to produce its new world translation. Now we're going to talk about the translation that the Jehovah Witnesses use. Now up until the time when they got this translation, what they would do is they would take a King James Bible and they would actually mark out whole verses. I've heard of people actually having some of these old Bibles where the Jehovah Witnesses would go through there and they would selectively eliminate large portions of Scripture. But what they finally did, in order to, I mean, that didn't look too good. That would, you know, even if you were Jehovah Witness, that would seem a little bit, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you'd kind of raise an eyebrow over the whole thing. Well, what ended up happening is, is they finally got their New World Translation. And guess what? Westcott and Hort, who were the two occultists, who also founded the Hermes Club, and also the, this club called the Ghostly Guild, where they got together and had seances with people like Madame Blavatsky, and were also members of Madame Blavatsky's Theosophy Club. Now, Madame Blavatsky was one of the highest level ranking witches in the 19, uh, into the 1800s. She's one of the main ones that prophesied the Ascended Masters that right now we're seeing really come to the forefront. I've done several teachings on them. She was essentially a Satanist. Um, she was one, uh, held very, very, uh, Adolf Hitler held her teachings very, very dear. Um, Aleister Crowley was, you know, uh, into her teachings and these types of things. And Westcott and Hort, who wrote the revised version of 1881, which came from the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus manus Catholic manuscripts, which came from the Alexandrian uh, stream of Bibles, which is a corrupted line, 
these, these wonderful people, Westcott and Hort, who are members of Manuel Blavatsky's Theosophy Club, they're the ones that gave us and spawned the 1881 revised version of the Bible, which spawned virtually all the other Bibles, other than the King James Bible, that we have in existence today. If you have an American Standard, a Living Translation, an NIV, they all came from the revised version of 1881. That was their, that was like their grand, the, 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 um, the, the actual origin of those Bibles. So this doesn't very much speak highly for these new versions. Uh, Dr. Bill Grady in his book, Final Authority, said, quote, Westcott and Hort were a pair of unsaved liberals whose open Vatican sympathies cast them as consummate Jesuit plants. They were Jesuit plants. Most likely, they were. Now, why can we say that? Well, we're going to look a little bit further at that, and I'm probably going to do a whole teaching on this in the future. Gail Ripplinger, Ripplinger in, in, in her book New Age Bible Verses did a wonderful, wonderful um, expose on this whole thing about Westcott and Hort and all of their occult connections and these types of things. Um, but they used the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus manuscripts in order to make the revised version of 1881. Now these were two totally corrupted, discarded manuscripts that were even discarded by the Catholic Church. The Sinaiticanus was actually found in a trash can in a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. That's why they called the Sinaiticanus. For Sinai, the Vaticanus was found in the Vatican. Okay? And they contradicted themselves in so many places. Now remember, God is not the author of confusion. And forever, O Lord, His word is settled in heaven. Yet these two supposed wonderful translations contradicted themselves in so many places that they finally made up a rule, Westcott and Hort. They said, wherever they contradict, we're just going to choose the Vaticanus. Well, that sounds really scholarly to me. But in the cemeteries today, I'm sorry, the seminaries, what they're being taught is that these are the superior manuscripts because they're older. The only reason that they would ever be older than uh, something like the Textus Receptus is because nobody wanted to use them because they knew they were corrupted. Therefore, when something doesn't get used, it just collects dust. It doesn't wear out near as quick. That's why. It's the only reason they would be older. And that's a whole other subject. We could go down that rabbit trail a lot further. We just don't have time today. And then he goes, Bill Grady goes on to say, to regain her corner on the market, Rome created an elite paramilitary Gestapo unit that would make Himmler's SS appear like a Sunday school. Sparking what historians call the Counter-Reformation, the infamous Society of Jesus, was founded by Ignatius de Loyola, Loyola in 1534, more commonly known as the Jesuits. Okay? They are the most militant arm of the papal power today. Their goal, their goal, were to reclaim those that had left Catholicism and to attack the reliability of the Textus Receptus, which is the underlying text of the King James Bible. Okay? It was that important to the Jesuits. Because why? Because they knew that Psalm 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Word of God is the foundation of our faith. It is the foundation of our doctrine, rule of faith and practice, and all these other things. If it's been corrupted, if it's been leavened, and you read it, it will affect you spiritually. You leaven, you leaven it enough, you can't even get saved from it. Okay, But that's why the Jesuits set out to, to um, attack the reliability of the Texas Receptus. Primarily, they've done it through the seminaries, through seminary teachings. 
And the primary way they've the primary version they've used to question that that spawned this whole thing was the revised version of 1881 by Westcott and Hoare, who were two flat-out occultists that were most likely Jesuits to boot. That's where you get your new modern-day versions from. That's the pedigree. They would use any method, these are the Jesuits, to regain control, including confiscation, treachery, torture, and assassination. The Jesuits will stop at nothing to bring the whole world under subjugation to the Vatican. The Jesuits' ploy was to entice Protestants back to Rome. They knew that they could not bring anyone back into bondage of Catholicism as long as the true believers clung to the pure text. See, that's how important the Word of God is. Remember the Bible talks about you know, putting on you know, the whole armor of God? And then it says, having the shield, uh, shield of faith, above all having the shield of faith, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit sees the Word of God. And that's one of the main implements in the armor that we're supposed to put on. But what if you're reading the perverted version, and you're memorizing the perverted version? Or you're not even doing that? Well, the, your sword's not going to be too effective. The Bible talks about the, the Word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword, able to the dividing of the soul and spirit and the joint marrow, is a, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It always describes the sword of the spirit as a sword. And it's, it's our only, in, in the armor that we have, it's really our only, primarily, our only offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. But the sword of the spirit is offensive. Why do you think that Jesus Christ, when contending with the devil in the wilderness, quoted scripture to him? That's all he did. He didn't like do like a lot of charismatics do. Oh, you dumb devil, uh, and call him all kind of names. He didn't do that. And the Bible talks about that in Judas. It said that when contending with the body of Moses, that even Michael the archangel did not bring a railing accusation against Satan. Okay? So we don't go around and bring railing accusations against devils and things of this nature. Okay? What we do is we quote scripture. The Bible says in that same verse, it said that all that Michael said to Satan was the Lord rebuke you. So, you quote scripture, and the Lord rebuke you. That's the best way. But if, you can't, if you're not even quoting the pure scripture, how are you going to contend with the devil, or, or demonic spirits? Things of this nature. So, it's very, very important um, to the devil that he keep you from the pure word of God. And this is just further evidence of that. Okay? Remember, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So, there's not 8,000 different versions up in heaven. There's one version. Okay? The Bible says in Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7, that the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So God's promised to preserve His word from this generation forever. And He's also not the author of confusion. Why would He have a hundred different versions, and many of them contradict one another? He's not the author of confusion. No, his word is settled, remember? There's only, and there's only one other stream other than all these perversions that, is, that, is, that would qualify as the word of God. And there's not all kind of other branches or offshoots from, from the King James Bible, at least in the English. We could go on and on and on about this, and, and I plan on doing a dedicated study on this um, sometime in the future. There's so many topics to cover, but... Um, this just goes to show you how important this issue is, both to the Lord and to Satan. So if we go further, um, so the Jesuits plotted to replace our Bible with the pro-Catholic readings of Jerome's Latin Vulgate. When you think of here, Latin, the Latin Vulgate, just think of vulgar, like it's bad. 
This would cause the Protestant scholars to believe that our text was unreliable, unreadable, and not scholarly. See, the Protestant scholars, well, where do they end up winding up most of the time? In the seminaries, the ones that train all the pastors, and then they get corrupted, and then their faith is destroyed, and then, and then they don't have any kind of backbone, or, or, or take any stance for the Lord, because they don't even have a pure Bible. One thing leads to another. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then it goes on to say, once programmed, the scholars would then attack the pure text. All the while believing they were doing God's service. Westcott and Hort took two waste Catholic sources, the Synodicanus and the Vaticanus, to produce their waste version of the Bible. Garbage in, garbage out. They also... Um, so, they to produce the waste version of the Bible... Um, Nestle and the World New World Translation of the Jehovah Witnesses written by senior Jesuits. Did you know that the New World Translation was actually written by senior Jesuits? Jose Maria Bovar and A. Merckx? They followed Westcott and Hort as well. This is from the foreword of the 1950 version of the New World Translation. Now, we're going to prove this here. This is a quote from the foreword from the 1950... I'm sure they've removed this by now. But this was in the 1950... Um, Version. Now, this is the Jehovah Witness Bible, New World Translation. It says, quote, The original writings of the Christian Greek scriptures, commonly called the New Testament, were inspired. But, no translation of these sacred writings into another language is inspired. Oh, I could have swore, didn't we just read that the Lord has promised to preserve His word from this generation forever? Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So see, there's a big movement now also saying only the only ones that are inspired were the originals. It's the only ones we can trust. And we don't have them. So guess what? We don't really have a Bible. So anything kind of goes. So this is just one more movement that's designed to, again, get you to question the word of God. Um, there's many churches, this is the, the, the stance that they'll take. Only the originals are inspired, nothing else is, and these types of things. And um, ultimately what it does is it just tends to really erode your faith in the Word of God. Now, finishing from this quote, the Greek text that we have used as a basis of our New World Translation is, wide, is the widely accepted Westcott and Hort text of 1881. That was the underlying Greek text, okay, that was used in the New World Translation. Remember Westcott and Hort, the occultists, they were theosophists, and Madame Blavatsky's club, they had the Ghostly Guild and the Club of Hermes. They were, they were most likely Jesuit plants. Yeah, okay. So they say, the Greek text that we have used as the basis of our New World Translation is the widely accepted Westcott and Hort text of 1881 by reason of its admitted excellence. Admitted excellence by who? Satan? Yeah, he's got a stamp of approval on it. That's about it. But we have also taken into consideration other texts, including the prepared, that prepared by D. Ebhart Nestle, so Nestle's text, which is corrupt, and that compiled by the Spanish Jesuit scholar, Jose Maria Bovar, and that of the other Jesuit scholar, A. Merck. So they admit it. They admit that they're using not only Westcott and Hort's corrupted Greek text, or what, in the whole revised version of 1881, but also Nestle's corrupted version, and 
and that was compiled by the Spanish Jesuit scholar, two, two different Spanish Jesuit scholars. How satanic can you get? And if you have a satanic Bible, you're going. It's a it's a great Bible to have to run a cult with, because it's going to be you know very. It's it's obviously been an incredibly polluted Word of God. It would be the ideal thing to have and run a cult with. So, anyway, that is where we're going to go ahead and end for today. And I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. We praise you, Lord God, for all your goodness and your mercy. I do pray, God, that your truth would go forth this day, wherever your word is being preached worldwide, that your name be glorified, Lord God, through the body of Christ, and that many would be saved as a result of what you would do through us, that we would humble ourselves before you, Lord God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we've committed in any way, shape, and form, Lord God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for all this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.